Hello, hello, my let's keep it real people. So what's it like being an adult? Do you sometimes wish you're like five or maybe 10 and you had awesome parents looking after you? And you didn't have that many responsibilities and you were carefree and no bills? Ah, uh, sometimes, but you know what? For the most part, I really enjoy being an adult. Not that I wouldn't change a few things, but what about you? I cannot wait for you to hear my next guest, Katina. She wrote a book called On Adulting. And it says, listen to this, how millennials and any human really can work less, live more, and bend the rules for good. Woohoo! I'm in. What about you? Basically, after listening to her, trust me, not that millennials won't freaking love it, but anybody would freaking come away from listening to her and reading her book and just be like, wow, there's so many things I can apply. I usually don't do this, but I want to read this from the back of her book. It says, this book is refreshingly honest, like Katina, and I think goes straight to the heart of the anxiety and fear that many young people feel. Written with authenticity and a wry sense of humor, which I can tell you for sure it is, it offers real, concrete tactics to help you face your fears and get past them. This person says, I've been an adult for 30 years and it was still an enjoyable read. I agree. And so was the interview. Have fun. As always, we appreciate your support. Rate, share, like, support us on Patreon. Enjoy. This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston, your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life, and as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. Hello, hello, my let's keep it real people. Ooh, I'm so excited. I have this young lady's book sitting right in front of me. It's awesome. But before I bring on Katina Mutanis, let me tell you a little bit about her. Katina is the author and founder of On Adulting, don't you freaking just love that? A viral blog and community of over 30K millennials. We love those people. We're counting on you to save the world who are figuring out how to navigate adulthood in a conscious, happy way. Hmm. Lots to do there, Katina. Her first book on adulting, how millennials and any human really can work. Yes, any human wants to work less, live more and bend the rules for good. Oh my goodness, this is awesome. And bend the rules for good, love it. Hit the bookshelves everywhere in November, 2020. She is a creative entrepreneur, co-founder of Mental Wellbeing Startup, Daydreamers and Stunning hmm, Clinical Psychology, whose work has been featured on HuffPost, Fast Company, Teen Vogue, Elite Daily, Mind Body Green, and others. Welcome, Katina. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. All right. First of all, we got to do what we do with every single guest. What's your word for the past 30 days? 
whatever pops in your head, how would you describe your past 30 days in one word? Anything, good, bad, ugly. Ooh, that's a really interesting one. The first word that comes to mind, I don't know if I would say I felt it all the time in the past 30 days, but um, it is alive. And I've been really trying to focus on that word a lot in 2021 and really kind of looking for moments of fulfillment and um, happiness in all the tiny everyday stuff. So that is my word. <laughs> I like, you know what? I still am shocked. I've been doing this for a while. This has been my new thing since quarantine. What's your word? No one has said alive. So there you go. So let's go a little bit deeper into it because I like the fact that you said, which is so true, our emotions are all over the place. If anybody hasn't felt any other thing, come <laughs> on. What else besides feeling alive have you felt? Like what are some other things that have popped up in there? Hmm. I definitely, I mean, being in touch with your feelings and emotions, but also not allowing them to define you is really what all of my work is about. So Ooh. I feel like my, um, I've felt pretty much every emotion possible <laughs> the past month. I'm in Brooklyn, so we just got through such a crazy winter, um, obviously because of the pandemic, but also it's been snowing. So we've been inside like... Yeah all the time. So I feel like, I don't even know, I could pick literally any <laughs> word and I've experienced it. <laughs> By the way, I live in the suburbs of Philly. So uh -huh. I like winter and I like yeah. snow, but it was like, come on, are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was a lot. <laughs> Stop shaking the snow globe. We're yeah. done. You know, we're done. Exactly. Wait, Brooklyn, is, um, is Pratt College there? Yeah, my yeah. son's looking at that for art school. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's pretty close to actually where we are. But um, yeah, I went to NYU. So oh, did you from New Long Island and have been here for a long time. So yes, I love New York. I will get back to it. But before quarantine, I was going up at least once a month. Wow, cool. Yeah, yeah we love definitely it. Definitely a lively place to see. Yeah. And Brooklyn is a cool place too. I would yeah. I can definitely see myself living there. Yeah. Yeah. Brooklyn is really cool. I feel like once you move out of Manhattan, you're like and you're a Brooklyn person, you like don't go back. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the divide. <laughs> All right. So I we, we need to get to know you here. Right yeah. now we know you live in Brooklyn. Yeah. But I really do want to take a little step back, you know, when you were a kid. Yeah. And what were you like as a kid? Were you always that creative, independent person? I'm going to set the world on fire. Mm, such a good question. I I actually think that I was. I'm the oldest of four kids, um, and my family is Greek. So mm. I grew up in a very like homogeneous town on Long Island where everyone went to the same church and, you know, like had their parents had lived in my town for ever. And it was pretty much everyone was the same, which, you know, is really fascinating nowadays. But I always felt like a little bit of the outsider. Um, so mm. I think that that perspective even though i definitely like really cared about fitting in as a kid and i don't as much now um i think that i always had this perspective that it's okay to be a little bit different and it's something that is makes you who you are so i think i've always had this perspective that like 
I am going to go off and do my own thing and hopefully make the world a little bit better. Um, mm. And that was really what drove me since I was young. Okay, so I have so many questions for you because, because, I'm sorry, I have to ask, is it yeah. anything like the big fat Greek wedding movie? <laughs> I mean, I've never had a Greek guest or they've never talked about it. And I freaking love that. I wanted to be Greek just to oh, be a part of that family. Yeah, it was so crazy that that came out like when I was a kid, um, because it could not be more real. I definitely had the experience where, interestingly, my mom actually was Jewish and converted to Greek Orthodox. So I didn't no. up. Yeah, I know. It's such an interesting thing. Um, most people other are like, podcast. Oh. Yeah, exactly. But I grew up really identifying with being Greek, but we didn't really speak it in my home, even though all my cousins did. And I have like, you know, hundreds of cousins, um, both here and in Greece. So I definitely was the person that was like missing Girl Scouts to go to Greek school um, and really trying to like find my way as a first generation kid, which I think is a really interesting and nuanced thing. I mean, your mom converting from Judaism, that's, that's yeah. a whole story, you know? I know. That must have been huge. All right, so weddings like that, like were they that big and everyone had to be yes. a part of it? They well, were. Yeah, we, um, weddings and parties, I mean, like we have at our Thanksgiving, like, 75 people um obviously we didn't do that this year but yeah yes, they must be my... going crazy this year like... <laughs> we did a zoom and we like couldn't even fit everyone on it so it is a crazy time you're always it's like chaotic and i think that also really shaped kind of how i fit in in the world and you know what yeah. i i write about that a lot in the book of like needing to find order and um control and perfectionism which was be probably because my family was so crazy and all yeah, over the place, yeah, um, yeah. which I think a lot of people could relate to. <laughs> oh my God, I just want to be a fly. You have no idea. <laughs> like, I, that's one of my favorite. I don't. Okay, so most people who know me yeah. know that when I watch movies, I, I seriously, I don't know. And this is not age. I just want to tell yeah. you since I've been younger, I don't remember a movie that I saw. Like I could have seen it a month ago yeah. and they'll be like, mom, you just saw that. Well, I sort of remember it, but the big that wedding, I remember. Yes. I remember. Okay. So, and I'm sure you can relate to this. Mm -hmm. I love the fact that they fought, they argued, but they really truly loved one another. Yeah. And that to me is really what a family is all about. You know, you, you get angry, you scream, and then you hug it out. Manja, manja, you eat, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Because I yeah. was friends with Italian people, and that's what they did. They yelled, they screamed, you're an idiot, you're a moron, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Oh, I love you. See you next week. Yes, that is the definition of my family, for sure. And interestingly, I am engaged to um, my fiancé is Indian. He's Punjabi. So we... Whoa, 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 though, whoa. Yeah, so no, big, no big great wedding? What are we doing here? Yes, no, we have uh, two very cultural um backgrounds that we're molding together that are even though different on the surface very similar in a lot of ways so it's actually really cool to see um how any family that's you know 
big and loud and crazy does exactly how you said really loves each other at the core but there's a lot going on so and that's another movie of a whole nother yeah. there's a lot of movies with that that i love so you can see i i didn't yeah. come from a big family so i get like so like oh, oh my god is that amazing and then my friends go sandy it's not as amazing as you think i go yeah it is all right so just a few questions about the yeah. wedding are you getting married near here like in new york yeah. area or are you going to india oh my gosh well we actually have a covid wedding so we're really not sure what we're doing we were supposed to get married this year but it's very much like on pause <laughs> we were supposed oh. to have like a 350 person wedding but we're oh lord have mercy yeah to be responsible so we uh, yeah are not sure <laughs> but i mean speaking of adulting and growing up so many people my friends and even just people in this age group are going through a lot of these choices that are yeah really kind of supposed to be these starting points of your life whether it's college or marriage or having kids and um they're taking a lot of different forms. So I definitely uh, send out <laughs> that yeah. struggle to anyone listening. All right, well, okay, so just so you know, before you came on, I ask everyone for a bunch of questions and I tell them a little about you. And it was a crossover because I told you I'm starting a show called Overcoming the Weekend and it's about yeah. balancing your life, mental, physical well-being. And it was 21 to 30 year olds, but guess what? And this must not be coincidental. The biggest question they have for you is about planning a wedding during this time. Oh, and it was from so many people, and it which has nothing to do with my show. Yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. Well, it's sort of this, but they said, please ask her. We feel ripped off. Yes. We had these big weddings, I mean, multiple people, not just yeah. one. And around the ages of 27 and 28, I'm gonna say they are. And they had these big weddings planned. Now they don't know what to do. They feel ripped off yeah. and they're really angry and they don't know how to deal with it because this is supposed to be the time of their life. Totally. Yes. And I think this goes for pretty much anything in life. And it's something that I is so difficult, but really at the core of all the work that I do and every belief that I have, which is that you have the ability to only control your reaction to the world rather than kind of the events that come your way. And I think that especially when it comes to weddings, there are these things that societally we're told are supposed to determine, you know, the rest of our lives. And they're the, supposed to be the most special day in our entire lives. And I mm. think that at least for me and something my fiance and I are both have had to mentally shift is that uh, I recently heard this quote, someone said, are you planning a wedding or a marriage? And I've uh. really connected to that mindset because um, a wedding is supposed to be actually like the root of it is this celebration and accumulation of um, all of these experiences. It's not like this one day determines the rest of your life. So I... I'm trying to go with the flow and I recommend to anyone else um, to really just sit with what you can control, which is the way that you perceive the world, not what's going on outside of you. All right. So are you still going to have a wedding? Or are you holding off? You're not sure yet. Yeah, we're not sure. We actually just um, in January 
uh, I don't know if I would say called off, but communicated to yes. that yeah. 350 people that were probably not doing it in the way that we imagined. It was supposed to happen like end of September this year, yeah. Yeah. even though, you know, things are progressing in a way that we didn't expect. Um, Doopy and I, my fiance, just feel most comfortable kind of doing something with close family and Aww. friends. So yeah. that's yeah. what we're probably going to do. But yeah. Yeah. And I love the way that you say your reaction to the world. And that's everything in all your teaching. Because it's true. You know, you can't control a lot of things out there. But how are you showing up in the world? You know? Yeah, exactly. And I think um, something that comes to mind for me, my parents are actually selling our childhood home and moving in the next couple of weeks. And um, oh boy, I had boy. never, yeah, this was like the home that we were born in, all my siblings, you know, we had never moved. Obviously, I left my house after during college, but um, I've been really kind of coming to this place of finding home within myself. And I think that that represents so much of what adulthood really is. It's finding all of these comforts and emotions and um, consciousness inside of you rather than mm. looking for that validation and um, need in other things like your wedding or your partner or your home or your job or whatever it is. And it's much easier said than done, but it's an ongoing practice. Yeah. yeah and I'm going to, I want to move on, but there's another question I kept getting over and over is they feel as if, all right, make sure I get it right because it was over. And, I feel as if I had to grow up too quickly. Like, are you kidding me world? What are you giving me? <laughs> and I did, by the way, because I'm not in your age bracket. I had a yeah. bunch of young people on. I said, Hey, you know, I'm doing this new show. We're coming well, you know, the weekend. And what do you want to ask me? And they, and they looked at me and said, you, you meeting me, you screwed yeah. us over. I go, excuse me. <laughs> well, your generation, look what you did. You, you elected. Mm, I'm, I'm like, yo, yo, take a step back. I swear it wasn't me. I haven't, but they feel as if, are you kidding me? We have to grow up too quickly and you're counting on us because, you know, they're out there. There's a lot of entrepreneurs. They're creative. I don't know if you feel that way, but they want some advice. They don't want to grow up this quickly. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think, again, it kind of comes back to perspective. And first, I'll say I totally agree. And actually, um, I did a lot of research on this. Interestingly, in the book, there's an entire chapter on like why we aka millennials and gen z are the way we are which um uh, you kind of <laughs> not my fucking team <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of it has to do with obviously um like parents you know and society around the time that we were growing up and all of these other kind of societal rules and expectations but that being said i think that um while I do agree, by the way. I do agree. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think it's not to place blame on others, but it's really no. to understand what qualities and actually what strengths we have um, cultivated over time. And I think that we one view of this is that we could look at it as we've grown up too quickly, nothing is fair, like we've inherited some of the worst housing and student loans and all of these really terrible things. But on the other side, we've made so much progress in society um, and pushed for so many changes just in the time that we've kind of entered adulthood. 
which I think is pretty amazing. And not to kind of take that burden on ourselves, but really no. view it as something that is a true kind of strength and reason for being, um, which I think is just another perspective shift. You know, I'm very fortunate. I live in an amazing area with an amazing school district, but my husband and I would go to a lot of the school meetings and we could just see all the pressures many of the parents were putting on their kids to achieve. And I deal with the other end of it. So I'm, I'm talking to counselors and teachers and trying to help with mindset and anxiety. And it's just, it, even before quarantine, Katina, yeah. I'm sure you could agree, it was through the roof. It was through the roof. And so they would sit there and they're, my kid this and da, 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 da. And so my husband, I know it's not bad. Well, it was kind of funny. He would raise their hand, his hand and say, you know, because they didn't want to have any of the courses on how to manage money, how to create mm -hmm. financial freedom, which I did, you know, how to deal with mindset. I thought that would be amazing in the mm -hmm. curriculum for high school kids to learn to deal with things, whatever. And and so they were like, no, they need to have all these higher courses. And, and I get it because our schools are really good. But my husband said, yeah, we just want our kid not to drool every day. And he was joking. <laughs> Like when he doesn't drool on us, yeah. which is totally because he's not that. But my son would yeah. go, oh, my God, you didn't say that. But he was yeah. just trying to break the ice. Like, let these kids live. You're putting too much pressure on them. I don't know if you felt that, but he felt like, oh, my God. Yeah. Well, I think something that's really interesting. I mean, personally, for me growing up, um, there was definitely – uh, kind of a level of achievement that was expected in my family. And I think also just like societally, as you're mentioning, watching how other parents and teachers valued certain things. I think interestingly in my family specifically, my parents were so confused about my siblings and I, because we would come home from school with like a 95 on a test and be sobbing. And they're like, what, why, why are you sad about that? Like, this is amazing. <laughs> what, like, it should be the opposite that we're like getting upset at you, but it's, yeah. that's not the case. But I do think that um, this idea of kind of this pressure and achievement has definitely led into the kind of burnout generation as, millennials and you know younger are called as they're entering the workforce and it's actually I know you mentioned in the intro that I'm the co-founder of a um, startup and it's really focused on this idea that we based on research are the most anxious stressed and burned out adults that we've seen in history um, oh I agree I agree. Yeah, there are a variety of reasons for that. But part of it is this way that we valued success and valued achievement, you know, in our generation. So I think that there's a lot of change we could make. And I think there is starting to be a wave of shift um, about how we talk about productivity and how we spend our time and really what we view as success. Um, mm. But I think that is something that has kind of reached a peak point. And I actually think the pandemic has kind of jump-started a lot of those conversations because it's unsustainable yes. to keep going in that way. So I want to dive in a little bit more about this company. Tell us, yeah, when did you start it and what's your goal? Yeah, so... Or your mission, I should say. Yes, Doofy, my fiance, and I actually started it together. We met um, we were both, yeah, undergrads at Stern, the 
um, business school at NYU and have always been thinking of different ways to kind of make the world a better place, even if when we were working different jobs. Um, Uh and when we were living out in San Francisco, we actually really started to think about how we spend our time and why there aren't spaces or um, programs to help us redefine our leisure time really and kind of um, be more creative and mindful. And we actually came up with Daydreamers at the end of 2019, but really started working on it in 2020. And our purpose is to help adults live more fulfilling, healthy lives by helping them build everyday habits focused on creative well-being. So we use creativity as a modality to be um, healthy and fulfilled. So yeah, it's awesome. Oh my goodness. You you understand there is a reason we met because the biggest thing, I mean, I deal with all ages and I did just write a journal for kids eight Mm -hmm. to 12 because they're having a rough time. They they know what's going on in the world, but they don't know how to deal with it. You know what I mean? Like they're eight to 12 and they're going virtual. But the reason I started this podcast, Overcoming the Weekend, is because that 21 to 30 year group was saying to me, okay, it's a little out of balance. They're doing a little Mm -hmm. bit too much of smoking pot and drinking to deal with Mm -hmm. the anxiety and stress of life. Okay, let's ask your peers. Let's talk to your peers. What are they doing? How How can they come on and talk to one another about advice? And your company is Mm -hmm. amazing. I love the name, by the way. I love the name Daydreamers. It's so needed. It's so freaking needed. And the fact that you yourself are millennial. I mean, I don't know. I'm assuming you're a millennial. Yes, yes, I am. (laughs) I mean, you could have a young voice and be 50, but I'm thinking here. (gasps) I mean, how cool of you to do that? I mean, and I'm so I want to definitely off air talk to you more about that. But it's it's fascinating to me. And what I want to know, though, is yeah. the third biggest question is, okay, bend some rules for good. What do you mean by mm. bend some rules for good? A lot of people ask that who have read your book. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think that the overarching message of the book is really what we've been talking about. Millennials have been kind of trained to view this very traditional version of success that just isn't working anymore, which is go to school, get married, buy a house, have kids, Mm. retire. And based on kind of where we are societally, those rules just don't fit in our world today. And I think what my message really is, is to first become aware of what those rules are, instead of kind of blindly and unconsciously following them, because we're told that that's what we're supposed to do, um, or what we should be doing, and really start to question, are these right for me? And how might I bend them or shift them, or really start to understand what I genuinely want in my life and how I could start to make that happen. So it's really about becoming conscious at the core of it and then deciding where you want to go from there. You know, it's funny that you talk about bending rules because my son, who's 17, Mm-hmm. gets mad at me because I do bend rules for good. Like you said, like I can't see the purpose of it. I'm like, I don't think that makes sense. And he's like, no, mom, those are the rules. Yeah. And I'm thinking, what 
what did I do? How did we, and my husband and I are both not that way. Yeah. So I guess it's just a society, like I can't figure it out. And he, he's like, no, no, I'm like, well, I don't understand. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. I constantly always say to him, why would I want to do that? It doesn't make sense. And you're, I, I got to give him this book, by the way. I know, yes. is he considered a millennial? I don't know. He's going to be 18. I, don't I know, think but... he's Gen Z, but okay. it's geared more towards actually people who are kind of in college and right out of college. So yeah, it's yeah. even younger than millennials, but yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's really interesting because I think my parents honestly are the same way. And I think that our generation and younger have really been taught, um, whether it's in school or in extracurriculars or kind of this path that we maybe even going back to some of what you talked about before, where there's this really high pressure to achieve. So we feel like we have to follow these specific set of rules. And if we do that, then we'll be okay. And I think yeah. that was really kind of coming back to my own story, when I graduated from college, I actually, I had a job um, lined up at an investment bank out of school, but I ended up graduating a semester early. And I decided to travel through Australia and New Zealand by myself, Ooh. which was a huge rule breaking thing. Yes. <laughs> but I really realized then that rules um, are kind of made up to serve the people that they are benefiting and maybe we could yeah, question yeah. them and what would it look like if that were to happen and yes I that, <laughs> um that's really what the essence of how i kind of started on adulting and wrote this book was really about this idea of like what if you just asked yourself what could happen instead of saying this is what's supposed to happen Okay, so let's back up. Did you go on your own or did you go with a bunch of friends? <laughs> I went by myself. I, uh, yeah, I literally- Long decided, trip. Yeah. <laughs> like um, in my last, my the beginning of my senior year of college, um, I was on scholarship and had a bunch of loans to go to school and realized randomly, you know, in the first couple of weeks of that last year that I could graduate early and save myself a ton of money. And I was like, um, okay, I'm definitely doing this. And, uh, you know, there were two options. The practical one was start work immediately. And the other one was like, maybe I could take, you know, the thousand dollars I have to my name and <laughs> go travel for a little bit and kind of start breaking those rules actually. And it was by far the most impactful thing that yeah. I've, yeah. How long were you there? I was there for a little over four months. So pretty much like what the semester wow. would have been. Yeah. Did you make a lot of long lasting friends there? Yes, I definitely made a lot of friends um, during the time. And interestingly, we I still stay connected to them like on social media. But I do think that there's actually value of kind of allowing times to be present for the time that they're necessary. And I feel like those people that I met on that trip were like so impactful in that moment. Um, and it was exactly what I needed to kind of mm. launch me on this journey. So yeah. I agree with that. There's people that you're friends with for a lifetime and there's people that it you met for an hour and they impact your entire life, you know? Totally. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't agree more. All right. 
I want to go into one of your tips because this one has been driving me crazy lately, which is a big thing for me. It's experiencing positive emotions triggers your brain to notice more positive emotions. So I've been being hammered lately, Katina, because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm known as like, oh, the pippy skippy. I can take anything and spin it and find a way out or you know, create positivity in the world. And I do. My podcasts are to highlight, which is why I brought you on, anyone you know, doing good in the world, creating positivity, not that the other stuff isn't out there. But, and here's the big but, and I'm, and people aren't getting this. And I'm, I keep hearing it from major podcast people that I love, like, you know, hammering, oh, you positive people, like, we don't think you should have the other emotions. And I'm thinking, are they missing it? Because you said at the beginning, by the way, it's not that you don't have the emotions when we were talking about your word. It's what is your reaction to them? Like, you can be angry. And that's, Okay, of course it's okay. Angry, sad, frustrated, jealous. But how do you express those emotions? And my thing is, of course I have all those emotions, but my piece of the world is highlighting all the positive things going on in the world and the people going in the world. And I just want to get your opinion on this because people are keep saying, oh, you know, you just want to see the positive and you keep digging your head in the sand. And I don't dig my head in the sand. Mm-hmm. I see it, but then I spin off to all the other stuff going on. So I w- I need some help here, Katino. What's yes. your opinion on this? Well, it's really fascinating. What I'm currently doing my master's in clinical psychology and my focus is positive psychology. And it's really interesting mm. because it's quite a new movement in the psychology space, but yeah. a lot of times it gets mistaken for only looking at the positive, which is not true at all, right? It's right. recognizing that there's always a negative or a shadow side and a positive um, or a light side. And those two aspects is really what makes life and what makes the world. And we need both of them in order to transform. But interestingly, the way that our brain registers positive emotions and negative emotions are completely different. So negative emotions, uh, one of my favorite mentors refers to it as a rock. So one negative emotion is really powerful and sends you on this downward spiral. So you can imagine when you hear a piece of bad news, mm-hmm. automatically your brain begins to be think about every possible outcome and all of the other bad news that you've experienced in the entire day. And it starts to really drive itself down this downward spiral. And interestingly, that was a really important facet for our survival as human beings. We had to be that way in order to stay alive, Mm -hmm. you know, thousands of years ago. But positive emotions, on the other hand, need a lot of work. We need to, uh, the other side of this coin is as negative emotions are rocks, positive emotions are feathers. So we need many, many of them in order to outweigh that one negative emotion. So in order for us to really start to get on that positive upward spiral, which begins once we start to consciously recognize positive experiences, um, we need to be aware of many of them. So I think that what you're doing is right. We have to recognize the difficult experiences and be honest about them, but we actually need to spend a lot more energy looking at the positive because that's how we launch ourselves onto that positive spiral. Yeah. And I'm so glad you said that about, where, by the way, where are you going to school? 
Um, I'm at Columbia, actually. Yeah. I, my, one of my first health clubs was in Center City, Philadelphia, right next to University of Pennsylvania. Oh and so gosh, yes. Dr. Seligman and positive yes. psychology. And so I got to work with many of the professors there. Yeah. And my, go yeah. ahead. You know, I was just going to say the head of my program is Dr. Tomasulo, who is a kind of protege of Dr. Seligman. So yeah, yeah. that's where he went to school. Yeah, and my a close friend of mine, Dr. Peggy Kern, who worked with Dr. Salomon, moved to Australia and now is heading the positive psychology department there. She's always like, come visit, but it's not oh just a hop, God. skip and job, you know. Yeah. But but the biggest misconception, and I've gone and spoken at you know, spoke at many of their conferences, is mm-hmm. was it a good idea to call it positive psychology? Because there's this stigma that the other emotions you know, you're trying to just be positive all the time. And it's not yeah. true. And you're studying it right now. So I love that you're saying that. Yeah, yes. And I think that um, something that at least I personally try to do is be really honest about the difficult moments, because I think a lot of times, um, especially on social media, and especially for this, you know, younger generation, we're surrounded by these best moments that everyone has. And we're constantly kind of fed, you know, this highlight reel of people's Mm. life experiences. So I think that it, we do need to be really honest about those experiences, the difficult ones, but um, also recognize that positivity takes work and we have to kind of be aware mm. of those good tiny moments more consistently. Oh, I love that. I love that. Okay, which gets us to the big question. Everybody wants to work less. Come on, Katina. Mm, totally. <laughs> Can you work less and live more? So what's the secret sauce there? Mm. Yes. Well, I think there's two components to that idea. The first is um, that work is work right it you know isn't always going to be fun but if we are connected to our personal mission then we can do something in life that allows us to feel fulfilled whether that's through our actual work that makes us money or through things outside of work and the second piece of it and you know i talk about both of these aspects in the book is not allowing work to take up your entire life. I think we kind of hinted at this before, but we are the most burned out generation Mm. there has ever been. So we are constantly on this work, gym, sleep, hamster wheel, right? We wake up, look at our emails, immediately become stressed, sit behind our computers all day, take like yeah. a one hour break to work out and then are continuously, you know, working on our side hustles or things of that nature. So I think that it's really balancing, um, not allowing work to be your entire identity, but also trying to use it or some type of the way that you spend your time to be fulfilled and make impact. Yeah. And I love that you say like, which is true, because a lot of your generation will schedule the gym, but schedule fun too. You know, make sure you schedule fun. Yes. Yes. That was one of the most fascinating pieces of research to me. I am, if you couldn't tell, completely type A and like my calendar is crazy. No. (laughs) And (laughs) I uh, really... uh, 
thought that you had to be spontaneous to have fun, but actually research says that by scheduling fun, you enjoy it 30% more than if it was just happened. So I think that the anticipation of doing something enjoyable is actually really great. So schedule it into your calendar. Yeah. And I think it's so needed right now. I was talking to my nephew and I think he's 26 right now. And he said, Aunt Sandy, this is what I do. I spend 20 hours in my room. I get up, you know, I work, I work out in my freaking room because my weight's like, I'm not going to gym. And then I work again and I sleep. I mean, he goes, now it's getting nicer because he's in Philadelphia. Maybe, you know, I can go run again, but I think that's getting to him because I love my roommates, but it feels like Groundhog Day. I get yes. up, I spend time on it, I don't go to the gym, I'm working out in my house. I see, it's like they're telling me the same stories over and over again. I don't know if you're experiencing that, but that's what they feel. Yes, I definitely am experiencing that. Um, I feel like especially in the winter, it was really difficult. But I do think that the thing that has been the most helpful and also is kind of going back to our what we just talked about, about this positive upward spiral, there are certain feelings or experiences you can cultivate to help yourself yeah yeah i was telling people even if they're not going outside during the winter or it's rainy or whatever just it matters every hour i was telling them get up open your door you know what i mean just take a few deep breaths in or i like to dance so i was doing these dance resets and just getting up every hour for one minute put some music on it, I know it sounds like how can it make such a big difference, but it makes a huge difference, you know, versus just sitting still, you know, so that's been really cool. All right. Thank you so much, Katina. My let's keep it real people. Make sure you share, like, rate, check us out on Patreon, support us. We really do appreciate it. And it really does support all the good stuff and all the good people like Katina you know, doing amazing things in the world. And you know what I'm going to say, until next time, toodles. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, keep spreading the positive.